The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. She never listened past like 35 minutes. Really? Yeah. How do you know that? Because I fuck it, because I tested her regularly, every time. Exactly why we need to (laughs) to speed it up, right? This is Gone by Lunchtime. We've just been discussing ways in which we can trim down our podcast to make it more digestible, more snackable. That's um, what the people want, isn't it? Annabelle Lee, isn't it? isn't it, Ben Thomas? I don't support that. Make them work for it. Um, Politics is a long, hard slog. Um, also here, worth noting, is Tina Tiller, whose birthday it was yesterday. So everyone, just take a moment, just take a moment, and send your birthday wishes to Tina. Oh, happy birthday, Auntie Tina. Happy birthday, Tina. Annabelle, yeah. Let's just do some. Let's do. Let's do promotional work first. Starting yes. with um, Flick Electric, uh, who make this podcast and all of the politics session uh, section possible. FlickElectric.co.nz. They've given me free power for ten years. They haven't done that, but nevertheless, have they not? You should. <laughs> <laughs> you should investigate them, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. You've had um, the second series of the Casketeers. Yes. That you are. Are you a producer or an executive producer? Co-producer. Co-producer. What a triumph on Netflix, everything. Yeah. Well, domination of Te Ao Māori. Will there be a the, Te Ao television domination? Te Ao television. Te, there, ao. Just te Ao. Just Te Ao. Will there be a third series? Yes, there will be a third series. And, and it will be wonderful. You've just started the what series of the Hui? Third? Fourth? Fourth, fourth, fourth series, series of the, the Hui. Um, yep, 9.30 Sundays on TV3, also Monday evenings after News Hub Late, and mm. we're now on Māori television on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock really? for the slow coaches. Yeah. How does that work? Um, because it's Tato Tato in Te Ao Māori. It's TMP funding, so TV3 hmm. have the online rights in the first wow. couple of plays, and then we share it with our, with our friends and whanau over at Māori TV. Wow, just look, look who content, got the last laugh. Content sharing. Everything is everywhere, isn't it? Um, uh, ben, you've been watching a lot of Married at, at First Sight. I haven't been watching a lot. There's a huge amount to get through each week. Um, about four and a half hours or something. Have you got anything else to report on that or otherwise, just in terms of the tittle-tattle of the introductory patter? I Can I just say, oh. I spend about four and a half hours every day Googling um, Michael Jackson, leaving, leaving Neverland, Jordan Woods, Khloe Kardashian and Kylie Jenner. And what so, are your opinions on those matters? That's a whole other podcast <coughs> that, be, that me and Ben are launching. 
It's called the, the real, the yes. other, the other real pod. <laughs> the other real pod. The real real pod. The um, relevant content. Yeah. The 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 real pod is the available podcast and the spin-off stable along with other podcasts on the rag um of which there are exciting new developments coming soon i'm not allowed to say what they are though um anyway that's enough of this i'm just gonna long prologue i think we should just start again <laughs> look come on, we're, we're almost at this half thing. hour <laughs> come on this is keeping it pivy Look, let's just go. Let's just go. Let's okay. talk about capital right. gains. Hey, no, no, you're going to have your work cut out for you today, Doc. The reason that we were able to tease you for so long is because everyone is so hot for capital gains tax. The whole country, That's the whole country is on the tips of their proverbial toes, mm. excited about capital gains tax. This is all coming out of the tax working group, which finally reported a bunch of proposals, um, including like an environment tax and other bits and bobs, but the one that everyone is talking about in the in the community halls of the country as they walk their dogs, as they sip their pints, is... At the water cooler. Capital gains tax. As they nosh their smashed avocado. And it's kind of, in a way, it, every other country in the OECD has it. It is, um, on the face of it, a fairly straightforward idea that if you are minting it off the back of your property portfolio or other similar investments that you contribute a portion of that for the um, redistributive power of the tax. Simple as that, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, not really. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, part of the problem is that, you know, a lot of this debate is being conducted very superficially, which is, and, and that comes from the government's selling of it, which is that we need a capital gains tax because people are making windfall capital gains. Um, there is there is wealth inequality in this country as mm. a result of um, capital gains, particularly over the last 10, 20 years. Um, and that's grown faster than income inequality. Um you know, makes sense. The people who are wealthiest should pay a bit more tax, right? Um, so is a capital gains tax good or is a capital gains tax bad? I mean, if it was just portrayed in that way, you'd say probably a good thing. Um, but, you know, when you say every country in the OECD has some form of capital gains tax, you know, these these vary wildly. Everyone's got an income tax as well, but that doesn't tell you whether you're going to have a harshly progressive, mm. um, social democratic, uh, you know, income tax, which, you know, taxes the top rate at 70 cents in the dollar, um, or if you're going to have sort of Eastern European flat tax, um, you know, the kind of libertarian or act dream. Um, and they're, and they're, they're very different and they have different incentives. And New Zealand has a form of capital gains tax that's doing in the bright line test for, a, little, a, a little one yeah which you, was when you're flipping, flipping ju- just for speculators yeah. so that if if originally it was two years but now it's five years if you sell a, pro, a home that's not your family home mm. within five years of buying it the presumption is that it was for, done for capital gains and you've got to pay tax on that yes so the form that the tax working group recommended was actually is quite a severe one in the sense that it applies the it applies any capital gains as normal income. So you're, you're taxed at your top tax rate, which for most people who are making big capital gains will be thirty three cents in the dollar, mm. um, and will apply to every asset class. You know, uh, land, shares, um, you know, boats. Although boats don't gain value, you know, all these sorts not of artwork, things. not artwork. Hamish Keith is happy and well. My Franklin question, Jenny Gibbs is safely holed up. My in question is, you know, that um, uh, Michael Padakofi house. 
down it. Um, <laughs> so if you got that and relocated it to, I don't know, Matakana, do you have to pay capital gains tax on that under this is it your proposal. primary residence? Is it no, your family home? Are you moving in with the it's kids? It's a work of art. It's an artwork. Then yes. That you've got some bunks in. <laughs> if you holiday in it, yes. If you just look at it, no. Um, Is that right, Ben? Uh, yeah, so if, if you're living in the... Michael Paduko Fai House, then it is not taxed for capital gains. If you've rented it out to someone, <laughs> then, it, then it will be. Okay. Um, Sorry, carry on. Yeah, but so the so the where they've hit some controversy initially was this idea that you know small business owners would be paying capital gains on their businesses if they sell them, um, and so would farmers, and that KiwiSaver will be hit by. Um, you know, a tax on capital gains as well, because these are all forms of capital that you accumulate. And, you know, there was one purpose that the government's talked about for this tax, which is fairness, you know, everyone paying their fair share. But the other goal of uh, capital gains tax throughout the years, you know, of those who've advocated it in New Zealand, is to try and rebalance where we put our money in New Zealand. You know, everyone right now is just sinking money into a black hole of residential property. You know, as, you know, we've been hearing about Hawke's Bay r- r- landlords with 80 properties. Apparently, there's something like, I think it's something like 200 New Zealanders who own 100 or more rental properties. You know, it's madness. Is because that true? The, I read it on Twitter, so I assume so. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't I, I've yet to see any. I reckon the, that's like there are 200 landlords who own more than blah 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 properties. Yeah. Well, land, no, landlord if, if, they, be, if they own like, a few apartment buildings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's probably true as well. Um, anyway. No, I, th- I think it's. I think it's 200 mum, 100 mums, and 100 dads 100 living in mums, nuclear families, having dads. saved. <laughs> but um, pop the, the ground to. <laughs> Dust the cobwebs from your lampshade. But but what happens is, you know, and we've seen it with spiralling prices of housing, more and more money is going into the same amount of houses in New Zealand, which is, you know, inflating these gains, supposedly worth more, but it's not creating any kind of productivity or more wealth for New Zealanders. You know, it's not it's not creating economic growth because, you know, if a 1970s bungalow is worth $100,000 or $500,000, the only effect of that is that there's $400,000 that could be used somewhere else in the economy. So the idea was that if you had a capital gains tax that treated every asset class equally, people would be investing in business, they'd be creating jobs, they'd be buying shares, they'd be funding stuff. Startups, we'd become, you know, mm. an investment and innovation paradise. And the big criticism of this report is that it doesn't do that because, um, you know, the, the, it doesn't affect family homes, which is, you know, the number one source of yep. savings. Um, does affect investment properties, but also, you know, will start making it harder to invest in New Zealand shares, New Zealand companies. So, so incentivizes goes that argument. People instead sticking a pop up in their own house or building out the side or de- but building a, building a swimming pool own. instead of starting an app company. <laughs> app company. <laughs> anyone? We're keen to hear from anyone who runs the app, app factory. Company. The app factory is being shut down from lack of um, investment. Um, <laughs> the conveyor uh, belts empty. And so there's a kind of way in which that that whole that exemption is a big part of the way that it distorts the purity of a capital gains tax, and it's not unique to New Zealand. But then also they ruled out the land tax. There's some sense in which this working group was set up to fix uh, a system or and, but it was kind of um, la, la, la. it was handcuffed from the start in a way do you reckon mm. anyone 
it, it was set up to come out with a result, which was recommending a capital gains tax. Um, and they've, they've done that now. Winston Peters, on whose vote you know any kind of CGT hinges, immediate you know basically he didn't rule it out, but he effectively ruled out any CGT being applied to farms and probably small businesses. And his new role as champion of the provinces, um, this leaves the government in a bit of a rock and a hard place. They're they're currently being very non-committal about it. They're mm. saying we're still considering it, we're mm. still talking to people, we'll take our time and we'll listen. At the same time, the new development from yesterday is that Michael Cullen, the chair of the tax working group and the former Labor finance minister, is still being paid a thousand dollars a day. Up as, to a thousand. Oh, sorry, up to a thousand dollars a day as the tax working group chair. Yes. Even though he's already produced a report, given it to government, this is normally yes. a good time for a working group chair to recede into the background, yes. go fishing, and not answer media calls. Instead, Cullen's popping up in every newsroom around the country. Uh, musing out loud about exemptions for Māori land, about uh, you know the effect of KiwiSaver and uh, Nationals lines on it, and and basically sort of just providing more and more fodder for the opposition. It's um, it's a very yeah. strange. Although state of you could you could I mean you could make the case that the for the chair of the tax working group to be available and communicating the ideas, whether or not that's being done effectively is another matter. But that's not per se a bad thing, is it? Uh, it's it's very unusual um, for these sorts of things. The normal process is you get the report delivered to you as the minister. The working group chair is gone. You just lock them up, and you, you lock them up. You take away their cell phone. You smash it with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, you you take Michael Cullen, and on the way you pick up Helen Clark. Mm. You take them for a Sunday afternoon drive, which ends in the <laughs> old old retired <laughs> Labour politician's rest home. Yeah, you dump them at the gate, <laughs> and you hope that they stop fucking weighing in on your policies as if they're the adults in the room, and you're just kids who are sort of acting at being prime minister and finance minister, which seems to be the case here. What um, Ben's trying to say, I think, Annabelle, to try and sum that up, is he's saying hmm. that a capital gains tech is. Um, uh, a massive insult to the Kiwi way of life. I think that's it's a, that's exactly what he was saying, and it is a huge insult to the Kiwi way of life. Except that now, um, for a lot of Kiwis, the Kiwi way of life is like living in cars or being homeless. So, unless they're going to apply a capital gains tax right. under like Central Auckland bridges or yeah. old woolly blankets from the Salvation Army, probably safe for a lot of people. No capital gain on your van, for example. Mm. But if you've got a batch, then you will have to pay a capital gains tax on mm. that. But, but your, you can buy art for your van and, and it'll be okay. Well, I thought it was um, really interesting yesterday, the exchange in Parliament and how National um, framed their questions uh, yep. around um, the taxation of Māori assets or Māori freehold land. And, um, you know, there's that old saying about national employing dog whistle politics, but that wasn't even a dog whistle, the questions that Simon was posing yesterday. They were a wolf whistle, um, just absolutely playing to people's uh, unwarranted fear and resentment that of that Māori is somehow going to be privileged by a possible capital gains tax. He was asking questions about tax working group have recommended a that potentially Māori should be Māori at treaty assets and Māori freehold land should be exempt mm. from capital gains tax. And instead of posing his questions around that in Parliament, he, he asked, "Are Māori going to be exempt from capital gains tax?" So it's sort of dis- well, it's not sort of. It's really disappointing to see 
um, Māori being used in that way. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I, I, I thought that was a bad line of questioning to go down. But again, going back to you know what is Cullen doing, running up and down the country talking about this stuff, that first uh, became a news story when Cullen started offering comment on it. And, you know, we don't know what happened in the, in the editing suite, but he did not seem, you know, very clear on, on explaining, you know, this was an exemption for Māori freehold land, which, let's face it, doesn't actually have any capital gains because, you know, a, you know my, most of it has an extraordinary difficulty in getting, you know, productivity, you know, happening on Māori land because of fragmentation, um, because of the poor quality of a lot of the land, because of, you know, colonisation. Lack of access. Lack of access, you know, uh, you know the, the huge number of issues that have been traversed over the years. Um, and, you know, it's a particular class of land that has a lot of ownership, you know, complications. And he was talking about, you know, if after a treaty settlement, this land that's, you know, owned freehold uh, by, you know, 400 owners or whatever – is transferred to the iwi or the the post settlement authority, you know you don't want extra tax complications on that. Well, of course you don't. Um, but the the way that it came out in the media was it started sounding like you know this kind of blanket exemption for iwi um, from capital gains. And so, you know this again, I I don't think National handled it well. I don't think that was a good line of questioning for them to go down. Um, it did sound a bit unpleasant, um, but. At the same time, I, I feel that, you know, having Michael Cullen as the sort of loose cannon just going and offering not just commentary but also speculation on what he believes the government will do when they're actually being very noncommittal yeah. is, is very puzzling but and, that's, and, and confusing. That's a big part of the problem, isn't it, in terms of the political communication, is that the government, particularly the Labour part of the government, are in a position where they are making the case for an amorphous thing. It doesn't exist. They're kind of defending broadly the positions, but at the same time saying, but we haven't made a decision yet. And so the, and then on top of that, you've got massed all these little contradictory elements and fish hooks and the uncertainty of whether anything will ever be agreed at all, um, and exceptions and carve outs and blah, 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 that the idea of having an open, clean debate, which is probably always a bit of a fantasy anyway, mm. it just it just hasn't really... I mean, look, what I'm saying is it's been a wonderful couple of weeks on Twitter for Democracy Mum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's the kind of, of calibre of debate we seem to be having, you know? I think it'll be a real test of, of the Labour Party, how they, how they enact any changes, because... You know, there's that saying, everybody wants to be a gangster until they have to do gangster shit. And I feel like that's the same in Parliament. Everybody <laughs> wants to be government until they have to do government shit. And, um, you know, sometimes you do have to pass legislation that on the face of it may seem unpopular. And I think Labor has a track record of um, getting chicken and chickening out on these types of right. policies. So, But if they don't go through with it, then you've... Just had a whole lot of drama and damage mm. and and all for nothing. So that's, they have to do so something. Right. They have to do that's something. That's their challenge. They, it's, we are going to be transformational. Mm. This is transformation is hard. It you is. Know, it's what the prime minister has acknowledged. Um, and what, one of these things. So that, if there is now, after all of this process, a oh, well, you know what? We've kind of done some consultation. People think it's a bit fucking hard. If there's a captain's call to chicken out, but here yeah. we are. We've got to. We've got to. Um, you know, work with our partners. We've got to talk with people, and we've decided instead that we just won't do it. Then. 
that suddenly looks like in the year of delivery. Oh, we'll have another referendum about, we'll add it to the list of stuff we're going to have a referendum about. <laughs> ben? Yeah, I look, I agree with all of that. Though. Another thing that I think it's shown up in the leaders of both major parties, um, which is Ardern and Bridges, is that neither of them have a great command of the detail of policy. Um, I, I think that they're arguing shadows. Um, Bridges has an Bridges has an advantage in this, and that in parliamentary question time, he can prepare his answer. You know, he can prepare his questions, um, and you know, and he knows where he's going to go with his supplementary questions. And um, the prime minister has struggled, I think, in the last couple of days, you know, to address detail questions about you know what's even in the in the um, working group report. And I, and I think Bridges has struggled as well in his media to talk about it. And and I think this is interesting. We haven't been in a position, I think, for quite a long time where the two leaders of the two main parties just don't seem to be capable of having, mm. you know, an involved debate about an important policy. Well, it seems to me that um, the, the, that Simon Bridges' response to the capital gains tax is completely all over the show and, and coherent in terms of its tax from every direction. But it's like, I mean, that's that's what you do when you're – defending somebody in court. You try all the different arguments and if something sticks, it sticks. He doesn't, there's no obligation on him to be coherent is what I'm trying to say really. Not at this point, not to pro pro propose an alternative. No, that's true and you can kind of see the thinking of National evolving in real time, you know, thanks to right. social media and that kind of thing, you know, starting off with this sort of quite farcical, you know, attack on the Kiwi Way um, tweet um, which I think was dialed back <laughs> quite yeah, a bit. that was embarrassing. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, but then also to go at the same time, be going. This policy won't work unless the um, unless your family home is included, which appears to be making a case for including the family home. <laughs> but we wouldn't do that either. And so the, the, there's sort of a circularity to some of the arguments. I don't know. Do you think how is it looking? Bell's shaping up as this year of delivery. The, I mean, Jacinda Ardern herself nominated this as the year of delivery mm -hmm. after last year being a lot of kind of gearing up getting things underway and now we've got a lot of those um, kind of I suppose devolved policy making um, approaches through working panels and working groups mm. and consultations and now we've got sort of quite a few working groups to implement working group recommendations and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's a, it is a hill to climb this year. Right? It, it is and I, that's going to be the test is are they actually going to be able to get on and deliver and make changes or are they going to get so caught up um, you know fighting off the opposition and you know deferring and consulting more and and um, going cap in hand to Winston um, that they're not going to be able to really deliver a whole lot. It's going to be a real test isn't it of um, I mean there's obviously the leadership so there's obviously the um, Jacinda Ardern and Winston Peters to some extent and senior MPs like Grant Robertson but it's also going to sort out the real wheat from the chaff in terms of the in, ter in terms of the ministers the ones who can push through their policy programs mm -hmm. are going to are going to emerge and the ones who struggle aren't you know across almost all of the por main portfolios there is huge work whether it's you look at education and tomorrow's tomorrow's schools whether you look at um, welfare whether you look at the whole mental health panel mm. obviously we've got tax there's just so much of this real that that, that, that it's going to really test who can actually properly lead these changes through right yeah and I thought it was interesting seeing uh, Chris Farfoy um, up in 
at the uh, Prime Minister's post-Cabinet press conference yep. talking about cracking down on ticket scalpers in Viagogo. Uh, well, not specifically Viagogo because it's before the courts. Pretty pretty easy win, to be <laughs> but, fair, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you you see that, you know, Chris Farfour, you know, he's performed very well, but he's the Consumer Affairs Minister and he's a minister outside Cabinet. And he's been he's fronted a number of things with the Prime Minister, yeah. you know, that, that have been sort of marked as major announcements. Um, and, and, part, and Andrew Little is often up on the podium with her. And then you, you see a real absence of, you know, her wanting to share the stage with a lot of her senior ministers. Um, and that's because, you know, there, there isn't a lot of progress being made as far as anyone can tell in terms of the response to the mental health inquiry, uh, in terms of, you know, Kiwi building housing, obviously. Um, and, you know, that is a worry for them. Phase three has been good. Uh, has made a difference, you think? I think so, yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll get to see a bit more of that as well. I mean, the argument is that whether or not that is the best spend of that rather large amount of money. But mm. um, I guess it allows some people to get on. Let's talk also about um, the other bill that emerged under the name of Golrez Garaman from the Greens. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants um, the, the government to adopt The strengthening New it. Zealand first and the Greens bill. Um, there's Ben Thomas there. That's not actually its name. Um but it included it included basically some reforms. I think most of which were recommended way back in that law commission report. Mm. Were they? Um, uh, the the but they involve they include banning foreign donations. Um, what else do they include? Uh, enabling Māori to change the role role mm. at any time, prisoners to vote, allowing prisoners to vote, mm. and the one that became the bigger issue would be dropping the threshold from 5% to 4%, which is <clears throat> in many ways not a controversial not a controversial wish. And, I mean, I think a lot of people feel that that it should be lower than 5%. Indeed, even the very – the very the, the Royal Commission that um, recommended a change to the electoral system way back in the distant past, was in the late 80s, mm-hmm. recommended – that five percent would work under MMP for a little while, but it should come down lower than that. Um, the issue was really with the immediate um, perception that this was a gerrymander. Ben, yeah, it, it did seem you know the the promotional material for the members' bill, um, you know, talked about banning foreign donations, uh, talked about uh, letting Maori change roles more easily, both of which are good measures um, and should probably be supported. And then, you know, kind of in the fine print, oh, and and uh, we'd also like the threshold changed from 5% down to 4% while the government is currently propped up by a coalition partner and a support party who are either hovering on or below that 5% line. And it did look like a pretty cynical attempt to kind of smuggle that through under some, you know, otherwise pretty uncontroversial administrative things. Um, and... You know, it, I think the, the narrative now is that, of course, of course, the government would never have tried to lower the threshold to the advantage of its partners, you know, prior to the election, uh, without a referendum. Um, you know, that that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But when they were asked about it, you know, on the Sunday when the uh, bill was announced at the mon- on the Monday at Jacinda Ardern's uh, post-care press conference, um, they were very equivocal about it, um, you know, wouldn't respond to that point directly. Um, uh, cynical bill, or is Ben Thomas the cynical one here, Annabelle Lee? Ben Thomas is the cynical one here, Toby. I think... Um 
you know, I agree with a, a lot of the proposals in that bill. I don't think it's fair to say that it's motivated purely out of self-interest and Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but hasn't every government that we've had since MMP started relied on support partners or coalition partners? So you could argue that it's mutually beneficial. And given the National Party's relationship with like David Seymour um, and the distortion that his seat uh, represents in Parliament, I think it's it's a little unfair to say that this is purely... Um, Golra's acting out of self-interest. And when you start to think about it, potentially you could have four minor parties receive, um, or five minor parties receive 4% of of the vote. That's like nearly 20% of New Zealanders and still not be represented in Parliament unless they win an electorate seat. So I absolutely support um, uh, lowering the... Um, the threshold to four percent, particularly because it is so hard too for for Maori political movements to get into parliament. Would you go? Would you go lower than four if you if you could if you were in charge? Didn't Chris Bishop argue that there shouldn't be a threshold at all in his his masters? I think when he was an MA student. Yeah, yeah. it's quite a good case. I, for I, I agree with him. Of, um, the other my my question, Ben, is it doesn't actually increase the number of MPs in parliament, does it? They no. just carve it up differently. So what's the big deal? The, the, I mean, originally... Oh, look, I, I don't think there's any... There's no natural point at which you could sh- should set it. You know, it's not an objective scientific inquiry. There may be that 4% is the right level um, as opposed to 5%. You know, if you'd look back, you'd say, well, that would have provided us with a parliament with the Christian coalition. Mm-hmm. It would have provided with us with a parliament with uh, Colin Craig's Conservative Party. It may have provided us with a party, uh, parliament with Top in it. Now... You might think that that would be a better expression of New Zealand's <laughs> New Zealand's democratic values, you know, over the population, um, and and you know th- those are all arguable points. But I, I think what's cynical would be trying to change it, you know, without reference to a referendum, you know, in time for an election where you were trying to shore up your support parties. Um, you know, I, th- I think just you know the perception of self-interest there is just so great that the Prime Minister obviously did the right thing by ruling it out. I think I think I think, I, you're right I think about again that. that was another example of, of Labour chickening out. Myself. Oh really? Really? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean it's not like this idea hasn't been suggested by um, you know non partisan parties to it. So like uh, you know, the Electoral Commission, when yeah. was it? Two thousand and 12, again, when MMP was first established, it was recommended but, that it should be 4%. So it's not like they've just gone and cherry-picked it but out there of the is air, or they're that, asking. there is also that needing to be seen to be done. Even if you don't necessarily impugn someone's motivations on it, there is, it is a, it is a significant reform to the electoral system. And I mean, you, well, you could argue it's that they 1%. should have a super, you know, if you could get a, a, a 75% majority in the House or something, then fine. Otherwise, you can just chuck it to a referendum. They've already got quite a shopping list. You just add it there, you know. Another referendum. Um, <clears throat> and they may, they may yet, right? They may yet. There was, there was talk about that happening in the as a mm. twenty twenty extra slip. Um, I reckon, um, I reckon three percent should be three percent. What do you reckon, Ben? What's your you still sticking with for six percent? I I thought Daniel McLaughlin. Daniel McLaughlin wrote a good piece. Fifty um, percent. On the, <laughs> well, I mean, we are moving back towards a two party system. You know, we used to have all sorts of. Well, that's um, not what we're meant to little, have. That's why. That's why we have more the merrier, eh? Well, more I mean, the merrier. Make well, you, it representative. Well, you might say that people vote with their feet. I mean, it, I've seen I'm, people voting. That is not true. <laughs> 
I know yeah, you're not, not literally. To, not, you're not meant to look yeah. into the other booth, but sometimes you just take so, a sneaky little glance. Yeah. <laughs> not one. No one. None. Sorry, what was you? The circus school electoral booth. Uh, <laughs> just kind of top, big uh, top. The, um, Arguably, it would be worse for it, it would be good for national to have a lower threshold themselves because then they might be able to get a dance the, partner because they haven't got anyone at the moment. The tails and bad for the greens because. The tops and the the the, the Tava vision, the sustainability party. Um, this could this could be their this could be their, their way in. Um, sorry, sorry, Ben, you were about to say something. This, this could be insightful. The, this this could be the sensibly managed, slightly lower Elgi River that they sail in on. Um, yeah, look, I, I Daniel McLaughlin made a reasonably good point on the spinoff that um, that you know that. The, that if you set the, the level too low, you know, essentially any kind of rebel rousing populist charlatan, mm-hmm. I think those were his words, um, could could get to, you know, three or four percent, um, you know, and kind of game the system, you know, run on a platform which was electorally popular with a minority of people, disregard that when they uh, got into office. And that doesn't necessarily serve democracy well. I mean, for instance, using the example of Colin Craig's Conservative Party, mm who were the last guys to get just about 4%. Um, you know, their policy platform was completely incoherent. There's no evidence that Colin Craig believed any of it. And who knows what they would have done except, you know, promote general polarisation um, and social bigotry in Parliament. Are we going to get sued for that? I'm Is just that- going to respond to that. I'm just going to say ACT. Yeah, well, I mean, ACT is actually a good example because one of the one of the arguments for lowering the threshold is that we have, you know, currently have this coattailing rule that if you win an electorate seat, you get all the other MPs you're entitled to for your party vote, even if it's less than 5%. And my response to that would be, well, ACT have taken care of that problem themselves. <laughs> but very courteously lowering their vote total to... Is this the point at which you say the reason you're saying such complimentary things about ACT is because you used to work for them and the contracting, you declare that? For about six weeks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Um I think we're probably just about there. Well, we were going to talk about China. China seems to have chilled out a bit, doesn't it? Um, China last and time chill. We, last time we spoke on this very podcast, it had just sort of exploded and there were fullbacks jumping in line outs for China. And um, Have you seen the Huawei song? The Huawei song? The Huawei song, like these no. teens doing a choreographed song and dance number outside a stadium talking about how much they love Huawei. Oh, is, that, is it a rap? I've seen that. I've seen that sort of sliding past in my feet. Yeah. Kept, have you seen this? I have. I haven't seen it. Um, well, um, thank you very much. This was a, this podcast was brought to you by Huawei. We're <laughs> 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 fine, I'm sure. It's it's it's, it's live cast to the Chinese embassy. Um, they know everything we're saying before we say it. Um, is there anything else we want to say? Should we just? Should we just what do you? Should we just get out of here? That's yeah. just, yeah. You wanted to have more to say about, who was it, Jordan? Jordan Woods, no. Jordan we'll say, Woods. Um, that's for me and Ben's other podcasts. Okay. Oh, if, if you want to visit the deep web, you'll be able to find uh, Ben and Annabelle's Jordan. What? We're still um, working on a name. Jordan Peterson. No, who's, who's that's another Jordan? Jordan Williams. Who's the other Jordan? It's Jordan Woods. Who are the Jordan Leave Woods? It. Wow. Um <laughs> The Jordan cast is on the deep web as well as the Cafes of Point Chevalier podcast. This has been brought to you by Flick. Please listen to all of our other podcasts. Uh, goodbye. Bye.
快。Kia ora e te iwi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.